0: Get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to a brand new generation declassified here exclusively on the two-man power strip wrestling podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week I'm joined here by members of the Crack Broadcast team. And we go back in time when we dig into some of the old stories, some of the old uh, happenings of the World Wrestling Federation between 93 and 97-ish. And uh, this week, joined by a very special guest, one of my favorite people in the whole entire podcasting uh, medium. I am uh, honored to have on New Generation D to fight a guy who's already admitted he tapped out during New Generation, the one and only, the great Jeff Lane.
1: Hey, what's going on? Thanks for
0: having me, man. (laughs) You tapped out, Jeff. What's going on? We'll get into it. But I mean, this was like, I couldn't believe you. you said you'd never heard of Livewire before.
1: Well, I I never watched it when it was when it was on. I've seen the clips throughout the years, you know, on YouTube and stuff. All the all the stuff with Vince and, and Jr. with you know having the bad day. I've seen all that stuff, but when the show was on live, I had never watched it because this this is why I think this is such an interesting podcast to do because I know there's a lot of people in my age range anyway that this was the era when we stopped watching wrestling for a while and the and the numbers show that you know a, a, you know a bunch of people stopped watching in this era i was let's see 90 you know late 90s i was probably 14 to 18ish during this time and I'm just trying to do quick math here, but you know, of, of all my friends, only one of them continued to watch wrestling during this time. He's never quit. He's been a diehard for life, but th- that's <laughs> why here. I think this is such a cool concept because I think a lot of, a lot of us miss this while it happened.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, that, that's that been the general consensus of, of all the people that have come on to the airwaves. So now i uh, be remiss to uh, mention my crack broadcast team member, CP, in the building as well, a diehard fan of Livewire, trying to call in to Livewire, if I'm not mistaken, um, either making it up or right on the money. Uh, but CP up there in the uh, beautiful Jersey uh, Shore area, uh, memories of Livewire as we uh, we kick off the conversation.
2: Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. It's uh, We're supposed to be on New Generation Declassified, and this is a good topic uh, that we've come up with. Livewire, um, I also like to call it WWF Mania the sequel sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it took the pull of WWF Mania... Uh, very, very sadly, uh, the three-year run of WWF Media, hosted by Todd Pettingill, uh, coming to an end, in, uh, live Livewire, a very out-of-the-box concept for that time, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. I want to go back to Jeff Lane and his fandom, and tapping out. Now, the golden era, the early, the late '80s, early '90s, Hogan. Warrior, Savage, Piper, Jake, the Million Dollar Man, Brutus, Heart Foundation, Legion of Doom, all these guys, for the most part, not really factors. entered the new generation, did that have a lot to do with the fact that you tapped out?
1: I think it was partly the age getting older, and wrestling still seemed childish as I was getting older at that point. It, it was kind of like... The weird age range where, you know, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers had come out, but I was too old for that, you know, you know, I couldn't watch that wrestling was kind of like, you know, fit fit into that same thing at the time and it it wasn't really cool. I don't think it had much to do with the roster because, you know, I always liked, uh, Bret Hart and, um, you know, Yokozuna and those guys, but but um, it was around that time, WrestleMania 9-ish, when, yeah. I, when I stopped uh, being, you know, a, a big-time fan. And I, I remember watching the Raw when 1-2-3 Kid beat Razor Ramon, and that was like the only really early Raw that I remember watching. It just, we moved on to other things, video games and sports, and wrestling just wasn't, uh, wasn't entertaining for me and my friends anymore at that time.
0: It's a great point about the Power Rangers because I have the same exact feeling because I have a brother who's eight years younger than me and he was just on that cusp of just getting into Power Rangers like he just crossed the line of like being right in the market of what they were aiming at. And I just remember being like, this is, this is so dumb. Like, I can't believe that this is what kids are watching, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that's in 1994, 1995. So that's a great example of kind of being one in the same age range and two at the same point. Now, whereas I stayed with the wrestling, the wrestling was really the only thing that I felt I had left that I could enjoy. But, and I swear I said this basically up until when I stopped really watching about, you know, five years ago, I was like, I can't watch this without Hulk Hogan every week. I can't watch this with the Macho Man not being a regular competitor every week. I can't watch this with uh, Roddy Piper. It was better in the 80s. It was better in the early 90s. So I fell into the didn't like things outside of wrestling, like Power Rangers. But I stayed with it because I just it, I was used to it. You know what I mean? So that was my kind of reason that I stuck with it.
1: Yeah, one of my my friends never left and. Once the I remember when the Attitude Era rolled around, it was actually before. What got me back into wrestling was WCW. All the guys were, all the guys I grew up on were now on exactly. Nitro. Wait a minute, Hulk Hogan's a bad guy? What? That that was it. That's all I had to hear, and I wanted to see what the hell this was. And so WCW is what got me back into wrestling, and then eventually, you know, uh, the Attitude Era. But uh, my friend that never left he caught me up, you know, right. during this time and showed me all the good stuff that happened to the through the new generation era that Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and Undertaker and, you know, Sid and a, and a lot of the stuff that people think new generation, they think Duke, the Duke, the dumpster, yeah. they, you know, T L Hopper, but they, but they don't think about the good stuff that you can actually go back Piper and mankind. I mean, you know, our Piper and gold dust, excuse me, mankind and undertaker. There's a lot of good stuff in that era that, um, that you, you can focus on and watch. and And, and it's, to me, it's even more enjoyable than today's product going back and watching it.
0: Yeah. yeah, great point. And, and I, I, I'm completely on board with that because it's the exact same thing. But with WCW and, and I know, uh, CP, you were kind of in the same boat. I was more of like a WWF diehard, you know, and, and it just it felt like even though I loved all those guys and listen, there was no bigger NWO fan than me. And you go find the, uh, the ladder in Thompson Middle School and literally from top to bottom, it's written <laughs> NWO for life up and down the damn thing. I love the NWO, but I just couldn't turn away. From the wwf and i felt like i you know was destined to be there which eventually would be but i just <laughs> felt like it was i had to stick with them so i i like that you came back for wcw
2: <laughs> yeah on my end i went to uh i watched wcw somewhat but yeah i agree there i was like team wwf at the time and it was really hard even when you enjoyed nitro and you saw that they were kind of out cooling wwf at one point um it was still, you just had that loyalty being from this area and having always watched that product, having those shows at the Garden. You know, WCW was never going to be at the Garden. Um, yeah, no, it was just, it was good stuff. Uh, it was tough between the two, two shows, though. But, but yeah, you have to, I stayed loyal to WWF for the most part, too.
0: But interesting enough, so Jeff is from New York, but you're from upstate New York. So WC did go to upstate New York, right? Rather than where we were in the, you know, in the New Jersey, New York, greater new york city area we didn't get wcw they went to philly sometimes then to long island we never really got them in metropolitan area so that's another reason why it was easier to stay with the wwf
1: yeah and i i never watched wcw growing up it was always wwf i didn't even really know it existed um you know NWA WCW I didn't watch any of that I remember my buddy smarting me up to you know Hulk Hogan's in WCW and I'm like what the hell's WCW you know I don't <laughs> I don't know but then when we got to college he was my roommate and he kept popping it on every night and Hulk Hogan's a bad guy and I'm like what it, like it, like and I'm watching this and oh there's Savage there's Mr. Perfect there's all these guys I remember as a kid and they and they're still cool now so that's what got me back into it and it was never really growing up seeing wcw because i never even you know never even watched it as a kid it was wwf and that was it you know they really got me when marty jennetti
0: and rick Martel ended up in wcw and that's where <laughs> i knew i was like man i am in trouble and then they got the, uh, jim the anvil Nightheart and i was like man my three dark horse guys are all there, and I got, I'm completely uh, torn. But, hey, I stayed loyal. And I just find it very ironic, too, how much you would talk about WCW later in your life uh, when you didn't. <laughs> you weren't tapped into it as much as uh, you were growing up. And then you just hear WCW. I'm sure if you hear Bash at the Beach 2000 one more time, you're going to start banging your head off the wall.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. it seems like that gets talked about the most on on, on our stuff is WCW, no doubt too funny but uh yeah i digress so let's get into
0: uh live wire so yeah like cp said before it takes the place of wwf mania hosted by radio dj and uh uber personality todd pettengill uh wwf mania was a just complete clip show top to bottom uh funny little roll-ins by pettengill in and out of matches they had some specific promos uh in the early years they had maybe more exclusive content like a one match tape that raw that was used just for mania Uh, but eventually it just got very tiresome. And when just playing clips from the previous shows, there's really no reason to tune into it because mostly everybody was watching raw. Uh, At that point, it was only an hour. It was easy to get through. Uh, So they decided to roll the dice and they changed it up. So instead of a taped uh, show in the production studio there in Stanford, Connecticut, they're going to do a live show from the production studio in Stanford, Connecticut, and they're going to make it a call in show where anything goes and all topics are on the table. So in essence, Livewire really the predecessor to the call-in, you know, uh internet podcasting shows that they would have just a few years down the road, WCW Live uh, 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 bite this on the uh, www.com. So Livewire a little bit ahead of its time, uh but nonetheless a cool concept for that era.
1: What what I had always watched was the snippets i you know vince as vic venom telling vince mcmahon why is this show so awful getting into it with Cornette, uh jim ross my you know everybody's seen the clip where come on folks you know we got to be prepared here you know <laughs> hanging up and getting jim ross has a bad day so those are those are the stuff i'd seen but i wanted to watch a full episode especially coming on here because i'd never watched one from start to finish so i watched the the one that you sent me chad yeah. which was the very first episode and you know, of course. You know, Sonny playing to the camera was great. Jim Cornette was great. Brian Pillman was freaking unbelievable on the phone. What got me about watching this is they built up a pay per view better on this show than they yeah. can on a, on a Raw today. It was unbelievable. There was not one match. It was just people talking. Jim Cornette, Brian Pillman. You know, just it. It was. I just was amazed that how everything was trying to sell that in your house show that they were talking about
0: Yeah, in your house mind game. So this is September 21st, 1996 when this show debuts uh, September 22nd was a Sunday night. It's also my birthday. So that's why I remember the, uh, the mind game show very clearly. Um, but yeah, they built up that pay-per-view amazingly and if you could put it on par with a wrestlemania build now of how intense it was and they were playing up the mankind and Shawn michaels match which would end up being a kind of pivotal turning point for a few things because that style of match they had wasn't really seen at the time it was in philly this is the show where the ecw guys were in the front row and uh i forget who it was i think maybe it was bradshaw Savio vega and bradshaw maybe got in a fight with tommy dreamer and the sandman at ringside and paul Heyman was out there And the Mankind Shawn Michaels match was a little more hardcore. They're going through tables, you know, they're busting shit up. And then, you know, this show where they're letting anybody call in. The guys can shoot from the hip however they want. They're showing you it's not yet attitude, but there's a little bit of an edge. Maybe trying to keep pace with the NWO in September ninety
2: six. Yeah, this is completely this is completely that in between area where we're definitely exiting the new generation, getting towards that attitude era, but somewhere in the middle, you have the matches you alluded to. You even had a a few months prior to this, Raw magazine debuted, I think, which is another yeah. uh, Vic Venom product, uh, which you know kind of changed. Just this was just live. It was nobody. It didn't feel like people were reading off teleprompters. I'm sure they were in the beginning and to throw to breaks and stuff, but it was a very raw show. That it was just it was great and totally different than anything that had been on thus far.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. And the fact, like I said, the call-in aspect of it is what I loved because they weren't filtering those phone calls. And look, admitting it, I tried to call a million times. You couldn't get through. It was busy no signals. Yeah, you remember that? You cr- I mean, you couldn't get through. If you got through, they hung up on you. It was impossible to be a part of this thing. But you wanted to because, as you see in some of the clips, like the Jim Ross has a bad day, which is probably the view clip that there is a live wire. <laughs> People are asking Jim Ross if he watched WCW, if he was watching Stargate, if he's watching, you know, this and that. You know, was Macho Man coming back to WWF. This is stuff that they're letting on air that at the time it's completely taboo. So WCW might make fun of WWF, might say, oh, you know, uh, this is the results for Raw, blah, blah, blah. But this is where people are being like, hey, WWF, uh, you think we can get uh, Macho Man back soon? You know, is this something? And you see JR's response is rather curt. Little more in line with the JR. we've come to know now, and uh, sarcastic as hell, and you gotta love that because it peeled back the onion, you know, twenty five years ago. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I don't know how much of it was scripted. I do know from what Vince told me, nobody knew Michael. He thought Michael Hayes was pissed off at him for calling him Michael Hayes, you know, in that in that one thing. Vince McMahon didn't know what he was gonna say when he went out there and said this show sucks. So I know none of that stuff you know, they had rehearsed or scripted. I don't know about the other stuff, but when you listen to the callers, they seem like real genuine callers, like, you know, except for the Paul Heyman one, obviously there's a few worked, worked, worked worked things, but it just seemed like real fans with, I mean, real just fan questions, you know, that, that if it was phony, you, you, they've been a little more creative with the questions, I think. So that was cool though, for people to be able to do that. I'm sure that got on the show.
0: And I'll tell you what, and watching that show live and what we do on this show is we we look back, look, as fans then, as fans now, when you heard the voice, you're like, I know that's from somewhere. And I I think it was uh, whoever it was that said, This isn't, you know, Bruce from Connecticut, it's Paul from Philadelphia, and you're like what <laughs> what is calling to live wire? like what is going on here but it's just that little bit little did we know it was a working relationship little did we know yet yeah, that was set up uh i would have loved to have gotten through uh and paul Heyman did uh but yeah <laughs> nonetheless it just it was something that you know if it was scripted they didn't need to do much wording they just let these guys be themselves and this is where i feel like we got to see that more than any other time before. If Hulk Hogan was on this show in '96 as the Red and Yellow Hulkamaniac, uh, you know, leader, we'd still see him kind of in the mic, talking in the same lingo, maybe a little lower, you know, baiting his voice. But this is these were these guys being them. And if, if Vince is saying he was afraid Michael Hayes was pissed at him, you could tell <laughs> because that segment is off the charts intense because it's so uh, spontaneous.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the first segments ever on WWF television where someone broke somebody's current character name, I believe, right? I can't recall that happening previous to that.
0: Well, it definitely, I mean, if, you know, you knew he was, you know, it was Michael Hayes. I think they had mentioned it once before by accident, you know, somebody else called him Mike and it was something very small, but it wasn't just in that segment alone. I mean, we'll just kind of, if we can move forward into it and when Vic Venom was kind of on the show as a regular and then he'd pop in here and there, he'd talk about the magazine. First, he goes after Jim Cornette. Then he drops the line about Michael Hayes. Then he's talking to Vince McMahon. And it's just showing you that, you know, we read this guy in a magazine. He's telling us, you know, be on the lookout for blah, blah, blah. is going to happen this year. Uh, whatever he did in predictions uh, to like shooting on people. The one with Cornette, I could be honest with you. It could have been a conversation the two of those guys had years later, you know, when they had their kind of falling outs. Uh, and it was on TV and it just seemed very real. And I, I just I love that.
1: I think yeah, you 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 watch some of the stuff that Cornette says to him, and some of the same stuff he'll say today on a on a, on a promo. Yeah. You know, so I, I I would not be surprised Cornette was legit, you know, giving it to him at that at that point because the Yankee stuff came up in a magazine writer and. And, you know, all this the same shots that he that he took at him behind the scenes and, and today. So but it made for good TV. People love watching that because you don't see that. You don't see that's like the only place that they were on TV together at the same time. Right.
0: Yeah. And it yeah. was it was the first time we saw them uh, on television. But like Chris, uh, like CP said, a Raw magazine kind of changed the way we even looked at WWF content because it went from kayfabe wwf magazine you know uh this is why sid and the one two three kid want to get Razor own and, and, you know, Marty Jannetty too. uh, you know, did you know that Shawn Michaels, two best friends left to go to WCW, he's pissed off about it. And you're reading this being like, Holy crap. Like <laughs> that's amazing. And, and this, you know, <laughs> we'll ignore the, uh, the, the bikini spreads in the middle of the magazine that also differentiated it from other <laughs> magazines, but it was just that style that changed what the WWF would become in the attitude era In a time where, like Jeff said, you still have your Duke the Dumpsters, your TL Hoppers, you know, your uh, I think the goon was maybe still around at that point. It's it's guys like this that identify with the new generation in a sour capacity that kind of overshadow the greatness of something like a live wire. Which would be a predecessor to later years programming, right? Am I kind of uh, on the, I think we're all kind of in agreement with this, (laughs) this consensus.
2: Even having that initial host be Todd Pettengill shows your favorite person, shows that bridge between, you know, leaving new generation, but still holding on to some of it. So, (laughs)
0: right, exactly. And and Pettengill, you know, and what he is, we've talked about him many times on the show. He fit because he had mainstream appeal, because in the Northeast, he's huge radio name at that point you're listening to him on drive in to work every day so you, you kind of you get that identifiable personality uh but he would be phased out and this yeah. is this show which took place of the platform where he grew phased him out because of you know, the multicolor sweaters you know the uh the funny hairdo and the you know the earring and all that so just didn't fit with uh you know I guess the, you know, the more shoot style of a JR getting surly and, uh, you know, Vic Venom getting a little, uh, you know, angry or Cornette because we'll give Cornette his due too. this gave Cornette a little bit more of an opening to be more like the Cornette. We'd come to know rather than just the Louisville lip, the manager of Yokozuna. We kind of learned a little bit more about what Cornette's personality was, too.
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Go, yeah, ahead. go ahead, man. Sorry. No, no, no! I was just going to say exactly what you were just saying. It's uh, Jim Cornette <laughs> is crazy now, is it? Or you know, he's very loud, outspoken. Everyone knows, but you didn't always get that in WWF in such a loose manner. Uh, when he was managing guys, you got it, but to a degree. But it was far more in his presence on Livewire. It was more akin to a modern day podcast than what you were getting on the pure WWF programming
1: yeah and and he was hilarious and at the same time he's putting over the storylines that he's involved in how many times in the episode did i watch we talking about vader and Shawn michaels vader and Shawn yeah. michaels he's getting it over with every caller. the lady keeps ladies keep calling in wanting something to slap him in the face and somehow he's tying this <laughs> into vader and in sean michaels you know he keeps getting the the storylines over and i thought he was freaking hilarious on there
0: yeah, that first episode he's building for his match with Jose Lothario at <laughs> yeah, uh, Mind Games a- the <laughs> next night. The epic encounter between Jose Lothario, who was like in his, you know, late 50s at the time, and Cornet, who was, I think he was still in his either late 30s or early 40s at that point in 96. And, you know, he uh, <laughs> he really could have run circles around Lothario <laughs> at that point. So, But it, it's kind of funny just thinking about it now, Vince. Cornette, jr uh guys who would go on to have successful podcasts having that platform to talk you know in that capacity and also pet and gill being a successful radio host it's these quick thinkers you know that end up having that that uber success and it's kind of funny they all met at that same point if only everybody could have worked together collaboratively
1: (laughs) yeah that would have been nice and on on a note on pet and (laughs) gill In my opinion, from what I've seen, because I I have gone back and watched a, a lot of the stuff from not all of it obviously, but a lot from that time, I've seen plenty of Gill. I thought he did his best stuff on Livewire. Uh, it, to me, like a lot of the on the shows or, or the pre-tapes, he really hammed it up. I thought like a, just a little too much, but he seemed more natural in the live setting. It right. was More like he was at home at the live setting on Livewire. So it's weird that that's what phased him out. I thought he was he was the best you know what he did in WWF on that show.
0: Yeah, let's also point out a few things about contacting Livewire. So not only were you able to call, you were also able to fax, <laughs> but you were also able to email questions, which at the time, I mean Jeff, you give out your email, you know, for people to send submissions for castrating the marks. At the time, uh WWF Livewire at AOL.com, you know, I'm sure the inbox was flooded. I'm sure if anybody even knew how to use it at that point, they would have picked a couple of, uh, you know, some, some, maybe some better uh, messages. But they were ahead of their time in thinking outside the box. And whether or not that kind of is like a, I don't know, like a, kind of ironic with how WWE is a little bit out of touch now, they were a little bit ahead of the curve if you look at how they wanted people to get in touch with them. Faxing, forget it. I don't even know if anybody could pick out a fax machine out of a lineup now. But having an email component, that's like very innovative for
2: 1996. Wasn't WWF.com or the the AOL site WWF had one of the first, like, sports websites or AOL sites? I remember Sunny definitely having the most downloads of any female model at one point in, like, 1996.
0: Yeah, it was definitely – I don't know if that was a work or not. I tend to believe it may have been. But that site – Jeff, do you remember the AOL site for WWF?
1: No, I didn't have AOL till 97. Okay. So like it, it it and at that point I wasn't watching anyway. I didn't start watching till late 97 or mid 97 I think it was. So I had never seen the WWF site on there.
0: So the AOL site uh, CP's right. It was one of the first like exclusively sports-based content AOL had. So you would go to WWF's AOL page, and a Vince McMahon voice would pop in and say, Welcome to the WWF, America Online. And you would only be able to read a couple of articles. You'd be able to find some entrance music. I do not believe they had video clips until 97, 98. Sure. Uh, but again, ahead of their time and the fact that WCW, who would eventually be linked to I, – I can't remember the um, – Oh man, and see, and my right. TMPT brother uh, would kill me for this because I know he he got that internet just for this. But WCW was with an obscure, you know, like I, I don't remember the name of it, internet company. And WWF is like smack dab in the middle of the AOL craze. Was it the Prodigy thing? Or Prodigy, no? that's it. Yeah. Look at you guys. <laughs> How did you remember? I I think that's what Bob
1: Ryder was involved with.
0: (laughs) All right. So that's yes. Bob Ryder was involved. Yeah. The prodigy chats and you'd get those transcripts and you'd have to sift through them and be like, all right, Eric Bischoff said glacier is coming soon. All right. Now we know (laughs) he'll be here soon.
2: (laughs) Blood runs cold prodigy.
0: Yeah. Nonetheless, uh, you know, these AOL things, it was just different for the time and you didn't see it. Um, Another promo that I had sent Jeff on there was Steve Austin. So now in the build for Steve Austin and Bret Hart for November Survivor Series, this was basically where you got to see why he was stone cold. This was the complete package. You know, the the little bit of cursing, you know, the, 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 the attitude that we would see out of the Rattlesnake. We got to see this on an episode of Livewire that basically equated to chaos and unpredictability. And for Steve Austin and Jeff and what you saw, you would kind of see how it was in its infancy at the time. But the Steve Austin, we'd all know, grow and know to love was right there on live in 96. How many people saw it then?
1: Right. Yeah. You wonder how many people watched that show and, and how much of being able to just freeform on there helped develop the skills that, you know, came later on. What, what popped me the most was the one caller that said, if you don't stop with that foul language, you're not going to have a bright future. And <laughs> that just cracked me up. Like that, that was like perfect to go back and back and see that. Like man, lady, you were way off on that one. CP, <laughs> <laughs> funny
0: is... memories of
1: Steve Austin on
0: Livewire.
2: No, yeah, I actually watched that specific promo today, and it was crazy. I, I didn't immediately remember it, and then it struck a chord as being thoroughly remembered because that was a weird time for Steve Austin. He was he won the King of the Ring, and he was kind of huge for a minute, and everybody kind of thinks that was steady forever. But he, he kind of fell away a little bit in the summer. He was on a couple of pay-per-view free-for-alls, I think. He wasn't necessarily pushed to the front of every show. And then, you know, Bret Hart wanting to get him back into a program with him uh, kind of, like, lifted him back into the face of the company. And that, But that was one of the first times I I, I think he had a he, – he called into Monday Night Raw. He did, like, phoners with announcers a couple times, and he was good on yeah. Monday Night Raw. But this was, like, the – first time i feel like he really freeform talked in an extensive way it's the most he ever did up to that point and it was the first time he really had an amazing promo since king of the ring i think so i think at least
0: but yeah and it, what it would do is it would lead to a lot of the promos that they would have in that bret hart uh build up for survivor series jeff what were we gonna say
2: yeah
1: it's just interesting too to see the differences in the character originally and, and as opposed to what it turned out to be because you know he's being a typical heel and lying about going up to Calgary and he whoops Stu's ass in the dungeon and all this stuff you know like it just doesn't fit his later character but the way he speaks is is you you hear stone cold that everybody you know ended up knowing and loving in the attitude era that brought everybody back to to wrestling
0: yeah it's uh it's it such a transition and again you know being somebody who watched the future and didn't buy into the Attitude of Steve Austin and the cursing—you're being like, "Ah, this guy was a Hollywood blonde. He's doing this thing, you know, with the the movie camera." I'm not taking it seriously, but then you're hearing him talk, and you, you're like, well "There's something different about this guy." And, and then the lady who was telling him to tone it down—you know—it's just kind of ironic that you know, uh, Austin 316 says, "I just whipped your ass" would be the most like iconic quote in WWE history. Uh, but here's where I could tell you it's very similar. And I know there's been similarities thrown out for years, but Dr. D David Schultz, 10 years earlier when, when he's on WWF TNT, the talk show that Vince McMahon did in the eighties, like you could literally interchange the episode of live wire and the TNT episode with Dr. D and it's basically the same thing. And I just find it very funny that Vince must've seen similar qualities that he gave this guy, the platform to just kind of go at it and, just have a day. Just do whatever you need.
1: You know, and if you look at kind of maybe something modern, the only thing that I can remember was the with Miz and Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack, however many years ago. Yeah, that that was something that would have, that fit into this type of programming. I don't know why that wasn't the format of Talking Smack or whatever they do now with After Raw, whatever it's called, the show After Raw and all that stuff. Miz and Daniel Bryan was the only thing I remember people talking about, and it was a very heated exchange because it seemed real. People were like, oh, they're shooting, you know? Because why? Because they were allowed to say what they wanted to say, just like Steve Austin was here, Brian Pillman on the phone, you know, so... I don't think that – I don't know what you guys think. I think that format could work today if it was done the right way and not in this phony way that they do all the pre-show stuff on the
0: network. Completely agree. The kayfabe, you know, the the storyline furthering is so bad now that honestly I don't think the guys today could pull it off. You got to have a pro like a Daniel Bryan or the Miz or some of the veterans that have been around (laughs) more spontaneous – Situations, not people that came up through a developmental system where it's repetition, practice, learning this, learning that. Everybody does their entrances perfectly. Everybody does things the same way. I don't think the people could pull it off, but the format itself could work in the WWE. Now, obviously, AEW... Could try to do it, but they just end up, you know, falling over their own two feet every time they uh, <laughs> they try to do something different. You know, see Cody's comments uh, <laughs> on that last podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, they they I think they just they just like to go full shoot, and you got to find that that fine line where people are wondering, you know, but you're still selling your product at the same time because that's what it's about at the end of the day. Do the AEW 100 shoot podcast sell? dynamite or pay-per-views you know i i, I don't think so That no. that's just my opinion but when you can blur the lines and at the same time promote a title match coming up on a pay-per-view they could have done a big thing with miz and daniel Bryan built all completely out of that if they would have went the right way and made a match you know based on that and that could have been the whole storyline you can build matches with that stuff and make people excited to watch wrestling again <laughs> through people's words and right i just don't see that when it's 100 shoot and you're telling us all the behind the scenes and the secrets look I, that's not why i watch the show i watch it to be entertained don't, you know i don't i don't need to know the magic just make me try to be, try to make me believe it
0: right it's the twitter accounts are they their legit twitter accounts of their you know uh real life personas or are they furthering their storyline from monday you know like that's the the schizophrenia that the products have today in every company, AEW, MLW, WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact. These guys want to be shooting, but then they have to further their storylines per their bosses or whomever's telling them to do their social media. And I don't think they could pull this off. Whereas you say, hey, uh, Brian Pillman, call this number at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. I don't, we don't know where the hell you are in the world, what hotel he's probably in, (laughs) what he did the night before or hours before and just talk and Brian Pillman critical point. So yeah, he's on that first show. He can't wrestle. He had the car, uh, the motorcycle accident uh, or with car accident or motor. He had like 10 accidents in those couple of years. <laughs> so he could, he had the, he had the broken leg. He couldn't do anything. It's coming off the heels of the gun incident with Austin. So it's all very Or I do know, It might've been, no, it was right before it. It was right. I believe maybe two or three weeks before the gun incident. Uh, so Pillman's doing nothing. So they have them call, and yeah, how entertaining is that? Put that call on Monday night. Just an isolated Brian Pillman
1: phone call. It's such an old school wrestler mentality where they can just go and go in full throttle, and you know, you know, like loud voice, anger. They don't stop. It, it, it's just you don't see that today. And I go back. something that disco always says why aren't people mad anymore in wrestling doesn't seem like anybody's angry they're not mad you know they're just out there talking softly saying things brian pillman was mad stone cold steve austin was mad you know jim Cornette was mad that stuff was entertaining when they would get all fired up and you really don't see that and miz was like that with daniel Bryan, right you know it was that's why i say it was very similar but that full throttle Cutting a promo, anger from like a good heel. We just don't get that anymore.
2: Yeah, that's and when you say CP, I was just going to say it's very, it's just very rare today. And I just going back to what you guys were touching on a second ago, it's it's infuriating to me to see. And that's you know that's not on this topic, but to see Bray Wyatt like all over Instagram and Twitter with his family and stuff when he's the fiend <laughs> on television. You can't find a better <laughs> medium than that.
0: Yeah, well, that's the Alexa Bliss. She's tranced by the fiend. She's got the eyes. And I don't watch the product. I just see everything on Twitter. She's got the <laughs> eyes. She's, you know, uh, she's possessed. She's this and that. And then she gets engaged to a uh, singer and is crying, you know, that she's so happy. <laughs> it's like, come on.
2: <laughs> not even trying. <laughs> yeah, it's just you got to find that balance. I, I don't know why. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a combination of the two. And I'm, I'm Jim Cornette says this all the time. UFC, UFC, like, does it perfect. I don't, there's fighters that stay in a self fight mode all the time for real fights. I mean, that's the model right there. I, I don't know. seems like it's out there.
0: Yeah, but who wants to watch real fights, <laughs> watch fake fights and critique them and
2: get obsessed I like with I real fights and fake fights.
0: <laughs> you get obsessed with them and, you know, ruin relationships and uh, tear down families and uh, take everything <laughs> so damn seriously for the fake fights. Now, one more real big live wire moment that I want to point out that Jeff, I did not send this one to you. But I think CP will remember this one very, very clearly. And that is furthering the Ahmed Johnson Nation of Domination uh, feud, where not only did they let Ahmed Johnson have a live mic, they didn't kind of rein him in either. So Ahmed Johnson, I think, legit thought that him and Farouk were going to have some sort of confrontation and street fight. And if you can find the clip, it is one of the more intense, uh, you know, challenges of all time as Ahmed Johnson threatens to find the house of Farouk and come and grab him out of it it's because he wasn't reined in. He was just told, go out there and talk. And, GP, you remember this moment I'm talking about where he says, where you at? I come to your house.
2: <laughs> I did. I don't know if he said it as clearly as you just said it, but I do remember the moment. No, I was actually hunting for that this afternoon, and I couldn't find it. Uh, I don't, did you find that online anywhere? Yeah, that, that moment well, is amazing. I,
0: I, I saw it in my, uh, you know, in my, oh, okay, my vast, okay. uh, my vast uh, databases of things I have access to, oh, okay. uh, but no, no couldn't find, you can't find a little snippet of it, but that's the one, I mean, that nation of domination versus yeah. Ahmed Johnson feud was intense and to give him, and, and Farouk would also get a, a, a platform as well, but with Ahmed Johnson, I mean, he's wearing, I think he's got the eight ball jacket on, like, you know, remember the big blue leather eight ball jacket yeah. And he's like legit shooting on Farouk. And I really think he thought it was ill. And that's true. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. But that I would say maybe the other iconic moment outside of the Paul Heyman phone call, the debut, the Vic Venom cornet, and JR has a bad day. Those I'd say would be the top uh moments of a show that really wasn't supposed to be anything but a call in show. Um and that's all in the first like six months of it. It would kind of yeah. go downhill. They would evolve it a little bit back just into a, a clip show. Uh, but that formula worked. And, and if you ever get a chance to see the Vince McMahon episodes where Vince McMahon gets extended time, you kind of see elements of Mr. McMahon meets, you know, what we knew the lovable Vince announcer. But if you've ever seen Vince in Memphis, it's also a little bit like that. Jeff, have you ever seen Mick Memphis?
1: no but i did watch one of the episodes today i was going through the clips where vince mcmahon was on there it may have been the same episode where um vince said you know why is this show so awful just later in the episode they started talking about jim ross and they really got into his bell's palsy and vince mcmahon saying he fired him for talking to a dirt cheat or something yeah and like they're really getting in into all the stuff and i don't know how much of it was true or not but they were saying key buzzwords that would make people like say wait what they're talking about this on that show you know as you guys talk about oh they were talking about wcw it was like the first time they were yeah. doing this stuff you know they're flat out asking vince mcmahon do you think jim ross is a better commentator than you why are you first string and and he's not i mean they were going through all this stuff and i thought it was very interesting for the time like you were saying chad ahead of its time with the email that stuff was ahead of its time too
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And again, we only saw Vince as the announcer, who would just you know be the the you knew who he was if you watched, you knew who he was. But this was again first time he kind of peeled it back, and I I don't remember if if they said it on there, then I just completely forgot or missed it. But I don't know if they refer to him as you know the owner of the WWF. I just think you kind of knew who he was, and he was there to answer questions. You know, I don't think they established he was the owner. Uh, but yeah, he you know again, it's just another one of those things where. He, he didn't stop anybody. He didn't tell anybody, you know, cut that phone call off or whatever. Now, the show had a lot of phone call issues. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many I remember they would pick up. Hello? Hello? <laughs> and then they hang up. So that's Can also I very I say funny.
2: about Vince? Uh, yeah, in, more, in more of a uh, scripted moment, though, the Bruce from Connecticut call that you guys mentioned earlier, Vince is he's just pure acting great Vince in that moment. Like the look on his face when he knows it's Paul Heyman is priceless. And it's also just interesting because, you know, you think about all the unscripted moments on the show and you you just know, like, that's probably not how Vince would react if Paul Heyman really got through to his show in a in a real moment at no, all. No, I disagree.
0: But I think that if it if it was spontaneous, I think Vince would play it cool. I, I think that he's got no other choice. Yeah, oh yeah. He's got no other choice but to play it cool because you can't sell for uh something that's spontaneous. You know what I mean? I mean, look, he let Bret Hart hit him in the face.
2: That's true. I'm also picturing him slap papers out of Bob Costas' hands. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you and you go back and watch that call, and it's so obvious knowing with you know 2020 hindsight that they were in bed together. Vince McMahon is saying ECW out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Why the hell would he say that?
2: know you, right, you know,
1: yeah. unless he was trying to put him over. There's no way in hell he would have said that. I mean, it's clear as day, and nobody knew. You know, it's yeah. weird going
0: back and seeing that now. And because I'll tell you what Shane always says about it, Shane Douglas always says whenever he talked to Vince, and this is in 95, so it's about a year earlier, whenever Vince referred to ECW, he never used the letters ECW. He would say the minor leagues, the bingo hall company, the company in Philadelphia, the, uh, you know, the the the, the small time promotion. He would never use those letters ECW so obviously time moved forward and Paul Heyman's on the payroll and he, uh, you know, he had no choice but to say it because of whatever their working relationship and talent exchange and all that shit. Uh, but you know, it's just kind of funny to see where he moved in that year. And again, mind games, 96, Paul Heyman, Tommy dreamer and the sandman front row in Philadelphia, where in 95 King of the ring, 95 specifically, everybody's getting booed out of the building because it's an ECW crowd. King Mabel is getting viciously booed. It's go away heat. It's not, you're a bad guy heat. It's that that this sucks ECW, you know, rules. We're going to boo every, everybody. Was that the first
1: hijack the crowd type deal? It's the That's- first
0: that I remember. King of the Ring 95 is a notoriously bad show. It's it, from this era, It even where we can find some of the more endearing qualities of a new generation show... The main event is a tag. It's uh, uh, Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow against uh, Tatanka and Sid. So it's not really the strongest. The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels get eliminated early <laughs> from the King of the Ring uh, tournament. And it's the Kiss My Foot match with Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler. So, and, and then you have the Roadie and I think Savio Vega going deep in the, uh, and Razor Ramon is injured too. So they literally, it's it, it's depleted roster, subpar matches. And King Mabel winning the, the, the crown. So the crowd <laughs> completely boozed the shit out of everything going on. I guess they're justified. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why you might have tapped out, Jeff. I can see <laughs> why, it, as, the more I talk. But <laughs> overall, wrap-up for Livewire. Do you think we could see a Livewire 2020? Would that be realistic with the concept that they had back in 96?
1: I, I think it would work, but it all... They they would have to get rid of the robotic narrative or the robotic characteristics that they force their hosts to have. They're all inter- interchangeable. You got to have somebody out there that is going to take charge and have a personality to be the host of the show that can play off the wrestlers and get them going. Because when you look at Pettingill and Jim Cornette and Sonny, they all did something different. They all brought right. something different to the table. You need those personalities on the show. You can't have. Generic commentator a interviewing somebody it's not it's not going to work it's got to be it's got to be entertaining i think i think the formula could be successful if done correctly and people were just given free reign and i and i'll go back to the ms daniel bryan i think that's a perfect example within the past five years of something that fit you know what livewire was
0: so you're not giving byron saxton the uh the (laughs) <laughs> You're not giving him the uh, the keys to the Livewire uh, car there, huh? To, to restart Livewire 2020.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know who knows how entertaining these guys could actually be if they if they let them be themselves. You never know. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough to say. We can only go by what we see. You know, you see people once they get out of that thing. Like Renee Young, I feel like she was held back. Like, like, yes. they kind of put the brakes on. You know, she could have really done something with this if if she was able to go, but you know, like Kayla and all in and, uh, Sarah, they, they just all seem the same to me.
0: It's that cookie cutter thing, but you know, that show that they did on Fox sports kind of, I, I could see they kind of try to have the same element of fan interaction in you know, a little more shoot style, but I just, I think it's just so watered down now that it wouldn't, I don't know how that format could fit because you can't have anybody say anything that would be any bit mildly, controversial be construed as sexist or racist or homophobic or this or that and it just it couldn't work in that regard but i would love to see them attempt it if they could have but maybe hey maybe that's what makes it special and let's keep it where it was it's that really i would say the first year that was the the go-to for livewire because the it stayed on until 2001 somehow with jonathan coachman michael cole just basically being like yeah, on Raw, DX, you know, uh, flashed their butts to the camera. Here it is. You know, like, that's really what it became. But we don't talk about the Attitude ever on this show. Our world <laughs> just caps at uh, mid-97, and uh, it might as well never happen because it's the future. We can't predict the future. Uh, CP, yeah. before we uh, we say goodbye and we wrap up here with Jeff, uh, let's give you an all overall grade. Uh, g- give me a letter grade here for LiveWire. Again, I think may- maybe more the first year overall, but uh, what, what do you, would you say the final stamp, the Dean Douglas grade is for LiveWire?
2: Yeah, no, if I'm going first year exclusively and forgetting about when it's a clip show, if I'm going new generation LiveWire, I would give it like a B+. I, I definitely did not wake up on Saturday mornings previous to LiveWire for years for wrestling, and uh, at that point, or Sunday mornings was LiveWire, Correct either way no
0: it was saturday morning at 10 o'clock thank you very much saturday at
2: 10 whichever morning it was there was a period where i wasn't waking up for those shows and i did for Livewire just to try to call and get through which i never did uh but yeah i'll give it a b plus it was a it was a fun show totally different than what was going on at the time and yeah i don't think you could recreate it uh in the same manner as it was for that first year that it was on the air
0: I'm almost ashamed at how much I tried to call that show in retrospect. <laughs> I, I really am. I mean, the more I think about it, I'm like very ashamed. I, I've never, I would never do that again. And I used to go to one guy's house to call the hotline. I should have just waited to go to his house to. Uh, I,
1: <laughs> I, I was on, I called WCW live a few times.
0: Oh, so. did you? <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes. What era? Do I have to go look
1: for the tapes now? Uh, it probably got, I was in college, so I think I was 19 um 98, maybe. And okay. 98 it might have been. I don't know. I, I remember getting on there a few times. I don't know. Probably asked some Mark question. I don't remember.
2: <laughs> I, I used to get on all the time to a wrestling radio show on Friday nights, I believe, out of Hazlitt, New Jersey. Oh, yes. I don't know if you recall <laughs> that show, Chats. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I do. I don't remember the uh, I don't remember the name of it. But, uh, yeah, he used to be on uh, this wrestling radio show. I don't think it was Friday. I think it was, like, middle of the week. Uh, Maybe it and was. Just, it was like- here's what I remember about it. An early, independent Don Marie being there as just like yeah there's this girl coming up her name's dawn marie she's on the indie <laughs> scene here in jersey and it's like oh there's dawn marie things <laughs> the things you'd hear years later that's the only that's the other funny part but i digress yes, yes. so all right well we'll head to the wrap-up here and the uh, generation declassified so happy to have a uh, jeff join us my uh, my brand brother the guy who uh i talk to at least once a week uh sending him some content and uh chopping it up uh because i'd be remiss before we say goodbye just to just to briefly cover i'm not sure if it'll make the cold opening or not but we have to just mention briefly get my go jeff you and i share a kinship on get my go uh the two of us really bringing together i think the nucleus of what get my go has become uh but nonetheless uh the the legend growing single week
1: Yeah, I thought it was cool we got to be on the the episodes together. What's weird is we all have this path that led to the show in different directions. You met the guy, totally unrelated to anything else, Feeny worked with the guy I went on his show and got into it with him because he ended up you know turning on us it's like everybody had their own path like a triangle just like merging you know like a triforce like all coming together over the same guy with completely different paths it's very weird the fact that you met him and stuff that was my favorite story listening to that stuff man. Oh,
0: it's great. I, I mean, I, I feel like there's more, too, that I could add to it as I you know, think more <laughs> about it and have had to relive it more times than I ever expected in my life. But nonetheless, just so funny. Just like I just I still shake my head at how much. Yeah. Like you said, everybody's got their own pathway to this uh, nut job. <laughs> and then the other the other little minions, too, that uh, that have come across uh, the rest of the crew as well. It's just. It's an interesting little thing, but nonetheless, a uh, little small part of happiness that you get every single week when you hear that uh, that little filmation beginning there at the uh, the start of uh, of Get My Go. So a little shout out to the boys here on uh, New Generation Declassified. So, Jeff, please tell the fine folks where they can find everything going on in your world, the brand, the podcast, the Twitch, everything you got going on.
1: Yes, RussosBrand.com. You can see me on my day job we do a lot of great podcasts there and if if uh you guys have never tried us out our our vip membership where we got course vince russo disco inferno stevie richards ben hameen stevie ray taylor hendrix goldilocks big Vito. i'm gonna forget somebody again and get in trouble but if you've never tried this before guys you can sign up before december 31st and get a free full month so so with no long-term commitment so check that out guys and i also have a twitch if you want to come hang with me do some gaming throughout the week twitch.tv slash jeff lane 22
0: Awesome. Yeah, definitely uh, support Jeff, support the brand. Uh, you Shane know, we've Douglas, been...
1: I forgot you. See, on, you could have called okay. me right there. I forgot. Chad, <laughs> I say it.
0: that's OK. I say it before we uh, we sign <laughs> off, you know, being a part of the brand for the last about two years, it, it's been wonderful. You know, obviously, uh, Francine show was there for a little while on, on uh, Vince's Patreon, and it's just it, it's a great community. It's a fun bunch of shows. There's always something different. And I dare say, for news and for you know updates and, and a different insight, Lions, Tigers, Bears, and Disco is by far the the only go-to show for me in terms of what's going on. Because just it takes that di- look when Disco's reined in, he's awesome. You know when he you can tell he's in a bad mood; it's a little tough. <laughs> I can only imagine what you go through. But just when him and Vince are bouncing stuff off each other back and forth, and when they're all, everybody's rolling. It just, it is such a good show for the quote, smarter fan. I I just absolutely love it. So being a brand uh, uh, member, as well as, I'm not just a member, I'm also a content creator. (laughs) (laughs) What's
1: that guy's name, Sly? uh, uh, Sly Sperling.
0: Sly, yes, yeah. (laughs) Sperling. WrestleMania 10, uh, New Generation right. stars, Cy Sperling. He was uh,
2: Howard kind Frankland of... hair. That's exactly oh, that's right. right. That's exactly <laughs> okay. right. So CP, what do you
0: got going on? I know you're in the middle of a big move. Uh, you look like you're in a, a foggy, hazy situation right now. Maybe, the, <laughs> maybe the Godfather has come, uh, but uh, you know, maybe more of Papa Shango during this era.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a combination. It might be more <laughs> Godfather, actually, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, oh, whoa, hey yeah no uh, i am uh, yeah i'm still in the middle of my move but i'm doing good here uh i got season one of stick and move stories my boxing podcast documentary style historic fights uh you can look up stick and move stories podcast on google and you'll come across it uh it's free on spotify free on anchor and i am going to continue making new generation declassified episodes with the chadster and uh Definitely uh, catch some clips of uh, disco cracking me up as well at some point later on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why don't you subscribe to the brand? You get your month, the month of December.
2: Fun. I am cheap, but maybe I will. It's going to be
0: on the spot. <laughs> so I mean, like, I mean, if I was going to do it now, it's the time. So, all right, if you want to follow me, it's at ChatDMB on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to check out Eyes Up Here with uh, the Queen of Extreme Francine, it's slash Francine Podcast. Uh, we also have audio now with the Creative Control Network, uh, so you can check us there. I think it's every Saturday that it drops. Uh, and for me personally, you want to go to IBExclusives.com. You can find my uh, sports memorabilia, my autograph signing I have coming up. Uh, if you're looking for a gift for the holiday season, if you see something that you like, maybe you want signed in the future, just check out what I've got going on. And uh, maybe you'll like it. I've got an upcoming signing with the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle, as well as Jimmy Wang Yang for all of you uh, uh, Wanginators out there that love some Jimmy Wang Yang. Uh, come get a signed picture from him. Come to my website, IBExclusives.com. And uh, just again, thank you again, Jeff, for coming on. Had a great time there, man. You know my man. You know their man. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm just so cool. It's, you would make my honor to come back again to new generation declassify.
1: <laughs> hey, oh yeah hey, i got another interview man i gotta run uh, that's <laughs> i'm sorry I,
0: yeah i gotta go guys i gotta go
1: but uh no God, he, really... pulled, he pulled that one out that one time that was freaking hilarious i don't know if you heard that episode yeah
0: <laughs> I, 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 oh, of course yeah I so saying goodbye for this week for uh cp and the great uh jeff lane uh this is the chadster and we'll catch you on the flip side